Hi, and welcome to Season 4 of The Tailored Creative Show, where every show is created with you in mind. I'm Taylor, and on Tuesdays I host conversations with people I love, whether that's a guest on the show or directly with you, the listener. We're two weeks away from holiday episodes, so make sure you're subscribed. I've had a blast creating them for you. Today? Today is going to be a treat for you no matter who you are. We all need help having good conversations, right? I started following James Pearson and his short poems on Instagram a while back, and his writing and voice have influenced the way I think and speak. He's a brilliant writer, a thoughtful conversationalist, and gentle spirit. And in this episode, he helps me put words I needed around the show's purpose. We talk about the power of good conversations, honest curiosity, and attentive listening, and discuss how to be present with people. We all need that. I'm grateful that I can share James' voice with you today. And if you're looking to hear more of him or have him speak into your life, find him on Instagram at James A. Pearson. That's what he does. I know he'd love to get to know you. If you think of it, join me there in thanking him for being on the show. This is one I will learn from for a long time. I started following you a while ago. I don't know when, but when did you start writing on Instagram? Or writing hmm, poetry? Good question. Um, let's see. I started writing... Well, I've written poetry my whole life, sort of off and on. Um, when I was a kid, it was something that I really loved. And then I sort of got away from it for a while. Hmm. And it was actually in the lead up to my wedding, um, which was in summer of 2019, that I started um, working more committedly on it. I decided to write some poems for the wedding. And, yeah. uh, I, I ended up spending like, I think it was like nine months before the wedding going to a coffee shop nearly every morning and working on these poems. <laughs> and so you're the type of person who can actually write in a coffee shop. I, I need pretty much quiet to write. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, yeah. yeah, I would go, I think, I think what worked for me was a, the coffee shop was walkable from my house. And sure. B, it just had that natural built-in um, reward of a shot of caffeine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I do that at there. home. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, so that kind of like I, I – that turned into a writing practice that sure. uh, once those poems were done, I was like, oh, I actually I'm, – I'm really enjoying this. I want to keep going. I think that's the hardest part is getting into a rhythm of it. I, I hear so many yes. writers talk about, you know, the more you can actually just do it, the better you become because it's just getting the practice of it. Totally. And I, I absolutely go in and out of that rhythm. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we all do, getting, yeah, getting in the routine is uh, definitely one of the most challenging parts for me. Yeah. And it's funny how it tends to whatever you're interested in or whatever you you may be really good at. It tends to originate when we're kids. So I'm mm. the same way. I, I'll pull up poems that I wrote as a kid. I mean, they're they're terrible, but but I've always been a writer. Um, yeah. And so it's cool to see that, you know, we've been growing that skill since we were kids. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so much in childhood that's available to us when we go mm. back and take a look. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot of what we end up being good at started then. Um, yeah. You mentioned coffee shops. What's your go-to drink? Mm, it depends on if I'm going to stay there or if I'm going to take it to go. So if I'm staying oh. there, it's usually an espresso macchiato. 
Um, okay. So just like a, you know, a little shot with a little bit of foam on top. Um, and if I'm taking it to go, that's like too small to really carry around with me. <laughs> so uh, if huh. I'm taking it to go, it's usually a cortado or a cappuccino. I don't I'm not sure I know what a cortada is. I think a cortado, I'm still sort of uh, getting to know it. It's a new it's a new one for me, but I think it's sort of in between a cappuccino and a macchiato. So like a little oh, more milk okay. than a macchiato, but not as much as a cappuccino. And gotcha. somebody is going to uh, correct me on that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They always do. Um, yeah. So I was in North Carolina last week and I went to a coffee shop and they had what they called a Leonardo DiCaprio, which I drink honey in my coffee anyway, mm. always. Um, it's better than having sugar for me. And so I had like it had honey and vanilla and something else. And they said it was one of their most popular. It was so good. But wow, I've realized I really delicious. like it, it was so good. But I really like having honey, a little bit of chocolate and a little bit of cinnamon because the cinnamon cuts the sweetness of the chocolate. Yeah. But um, that is that is apparently my favorite. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah, I always... Yeah. Uh... When fall comes around, my my version of a, pum, a pumpkin spice latte is just to when it when fall comes around, I start putting a little cinnamon on top of my my Ugh. cappuccino or my uh, macchiato. It's wonderful. It's so good, and yeah, it's weird to have it in the middle of summer for some reason. But yeah, but it's cinnamon. still delicious. Yeah. Oh, I know. Okay, um, so, so you are in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yes. Yep. Oh, I live uh, suburbs of Philly. Suburbs of Philly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just so curious. I'm, I feel grateful that you invited me on this podcast. I was just listening to, um, your episode with Eddie. You'll have to help me with his last name. Koffeltz. I've listened to him Koffeltz. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I was really enjoying yeah. it. Thanks. Yeah, so he, thanks. Um, yeah. He's a pro and I am not, but it was fun to, uh, fun that he said yes to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But but um, it's it's cool to have you on. You are you're an eloquent writer, and I've again I followed you for a while, and just I don't repost stuff that I don't love, and uh, I really love your writing. Oh, thank you. That it really means a lot. Um, it means a lot when people share my work because that's like it's putting themselves behind it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's really heartwarming. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Do you have any plans to write a book? Um, I wouldn't say plans. I would say aspirations at this point. Sure, Um, Same here. Yeah. I'm playing with like what sorts of, what sorts of books am I curious about writing? Um, Mm -hmm. and how, how and when, how and when am I going to make those happen? Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll be interested when you do. Um, so you're here to talk about the power of conversations. And I think that it's such an important topic for really all of us. Um, to you, what makes, what makes a conversation important or powerful? Mm, that's a good question. Um, there are two ways that I can approach that. So there's, how do I know when a conversation has been powerful? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that is when one or let, you know, if it's a conversation between two people, then it's when one or both of us um, touches into something in ourselves that Mm. we wouldn't have if we hadn't have had that conversation right then. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that, that's when I know that a conversation, um, has really sort of hit its mark. 
Um, and I think that's what good writing does too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, there are so many things that go into creating a conversation like that. Um, but when you mentioned the relationship between that and, and good writing, it reminded me of uh, something that David White says. He's a poet that I really, I really love. Mm-hmm. And me too. I heard, yeah, I heard him say that um, poetry is the art of overhearing yourself say something you didn't know you knew. Mm-hmm. And I often think that that is uh, the art of conversation as well. I think that conversation has the power to um, allow us to overhear ourselves say things that we we didn't quite know were inside of us um and and that's when that happens then it's like you you really you really feel the full flow of it i i think you're right do you have an example of something a conversation that you've had that really impacted you so many (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely the one that's coming to mind right now was actually um, it was about a decade ago, uh, a little less, I guess. And I was just, I was in this period of my life where I had sort of crashed and burned and I was trying to pick up the pieces. Um, and I, I just, I didn't know, I didn't know how I was going to do that. I, I didn't have a vision for a way forward, a way through it. And I ended up calling this guy that, that I had met you know, a few years before who I didn't know well, but he just struck me as like a wise and generous soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was, uh, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years older than I was. Um, uh, Glenn Parrish is his name. And I, and I just, I, I almost just like reached out to him as like a, a cry for help. It was like an SOS. And he was so kind and generous to, step into my life at that time and and sort of walk me through this winter season I was having. Um, and I remember one conversation in particular. I was living in the um, the the sort of wilderness of Oklahoma at the time, um, staying with some good friends who have property out there. and he was he was in California, so we were getting on Skype and having these these conversations. And I remember um, one thing that he said to me in one of these conversations was, he said, James, you are, um, he said, most people are like, when it comes to their emotions, they're, they're Honda Accords, you know, they're uh, Toyota Camrys, they're, they're steady, um, they're kind of, you know, they, they're dependable. And he's like, you, you're a Ferrari <laughs> when it comes to emotion. And you, you are going to need, you're going to need people around you who can see and hold that. Um, Hmm. and that, I, that just landed with me at the time. I didn't quite know how to, um, understand it, but it was such a great insight because it helped me understand in, um, getting to know myself after that period that I'm a very sensitive person. Um, there's like the term highly sensitive person. Right. And I relate with that. Yeah. Um, Same here. Yeah. And so just that one, that one moment 
of this man that I, I didn't even know that well, who listened to me well, and then reflected back what he saw in me in a way mm-hmm. that I didn't have the capacity to do for myself was it was it changed my life <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah. that's one that's coming to mind right now. I'm curious for you. Can you think of conversations that have been powerful for you? Oh, yeah. And I mean, one that comes to mind. So do you do you have any idea what the Enneagram is? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't okay. gone super deep into it, but I've I've got a basic understanding. Yeah. Sure. And so I have some understanding myself. And so one, I, I identify with the two, which okay. is the helper. And um, but in in unhealth, you the twos tend to um, seek to be loved and do things for other people because they're trying to be loved. Mm. And what I, I didn't know that in college, I just knew that I was living my best my best life, you know, trying to be the best person I could be, but, you know, loving people in a way that was almost harming to our relationship. Hmm. And I remember my, one of my college roommates, still friends with her, but um, one of my college roommates, I would always, I would get up early to take people to classes um, Mm -hmm. because I I love, I love serving people. I love giving, but at that point in my life, I was doing it so that they would love me. And, um, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so one of my roommates, I would fold her laundry like she would she was one of those people like she would forget about it in the washer. I do that, too. We all do it. Um, but I would just fold her laundry. And she sat me down the one day and said, Taylor, I can't I need you to stop because I can't do things for you in return like this. And, mm. and it's not healthy for our friendship to to do this. Right. Wow. And so that that stuck out to me. And so when I learned about the Enneagram years later, I was like, Oh yeah, I was very very unhealthy in college because I I didn't know that people loved me for who I am mm-hmm. and and not for what I did for them hmm. for a long time. So wow. that really stuck out to me. Wow. Yeah, it's I'm just recognizing how in that moment what what your friend did was was just be honest with you. Totally. And honesty Just, plays such a role in, in good conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. That sense like there's so much that we hold inside in relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. And when we can find a kind way to be honest about it, I mean, look, look what that opened up for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so I had sent you just a few, few, um, just things that play into conversations that I think, you know, active listening and candor and honesty and compassion mm-hmm. and to me, humor, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but kindness and transparency, they all play a role in having beneficial and unique conversations that actually move us forward in life. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I just was interested to hear your take on that. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed a lot of a lot of key qualities to good conversations. Um what's coming up for me. So I, I, uh, coach people as part of mm-hmm. my, how I make my living and we all need uh, that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a really fun, it's been a really fun journey. Um, but one, one thing that I learned early on, um, and this is something that I knew, I knew coming into my coach training, but it really got deepened, um, during that time was the power of honest curiosity. Um, That's good. 
Yeah, the power of honest curiosity to invite people um, into, again, this is how, that's how we invite people into those places where they otherwise wouldn't get, right? You mm-hmm. invite someone into a, into a conversational space where they can overhear themselves say the thing that they have been longing to hear uh, from themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think curiosity is a huge one. And there's um, I, there, one of the sort of the key pieces of conversational advice you'll hear from a lot of people is ask way more questions than yeah. you speak. And I think that that's yeah. great advice. And I think I would, I would add on to that and say, like, find your honest curiosity in relation to this person and ask those questions. Um, and it doesn't have to mean that you're like, you know, you're not going to be utterly fascinated by every person, <laughs> but just just find some thread of honest curiosity, because if you're just asking questions just to ask them, then people get they know that, you know, they can feel it. Mm-hmm. But if you're honestly curious, like it lights, it lights people up. Yeah, um, we always know when people are faking it, right? Or looking for absolutely. someone better to come in the room or, you know, when when they're just not interested. I mean, that, yeah. that's how the show is created because I was genuinely curious about so many people. And I would talk yeah. to people and they would tell me, oh, I'm interested in baking or I'm interested in the most random, you know, golf, which I know nothing about. And that's that's what got me started on this show was I just want to talk to people. And honestly, yeah. that's what this show is about, just getting to hear people's niche um, just interests that is yeah. so fun to me because I'm genuinely always curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do so for for my show or just in general, how do we go from interviewing, so asking mm-hmm. like pointed questions to more of a conversation? Because that's what I want for this. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, part of part of the challenge of that probably is people's expectations about what a podcast is mm-hmm. <laughs> right? um, like people expect like, uh, you know, they listen to podcasts and it's a lot of interviews. Um, mm-hmm. And so I can imagine guests coming in kind of expecting an interview. Um, mm-hmm. And so but my favorite how, shows are honestly the conversational ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so how how do how do you I, I'm going to say deepen it to an actual conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, two things come to mind immediately. Um, one is the quality of listening. Um, mm-hmm. You named you named active listening as as part of great conversation, and I think that's right on. Um, I have a friend uh, here in Tacoma who's a therapist, and I'm a coach, and so we're both talking to people all the time, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of joke like, you know, joking, not joking that half the benefit of coaching or therapy is just feeling heard, Mm -hmm. just feeling heard by another human being who cares about you. Um, and so I think that, uh, one of the ways that you're going to deepen every conversation that you're in is just by really listening and hearing another person. Um, and the skills of active listening are really helpful to express 
that you're hearing them, being able to reflect back what you're hearing, being able to, you know, kind of riff with them where they're at in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a depth of, there's a depth of being heard that it's unfakeable. (laughs) Yeah. No matter how good you like, you craft the skills of active listening. So that's, I'd say that's number one. And then the, the second one is, um, your own vulnerability and humanity, um, Mm. to the extent that you show up as a real person, um, you're going to invite the other, the other person on the other end of the line to settle into their authentic selves. Um, Mm -hmm. and once you're both in that place, then a real conversation can happen. Yeah. How does that, how does that all land for you? What comes up for you? That makes sense. And I think I think it's all really good information because really I wanted to hear your perspective on it. I, I didn't – I've been wondering that for a while. Um, yeah. I think when – you know, like you said, you can always tell when someone is engaged and when they're not. Yeah. Um, when they're actually listening and when they're not and we're all guilty of, you know, not listening <laughs> when we should yeah. be. Um, but I I think one of the – one of the things that makes me me feel heard personally is yeah. when people use my name. Like mm. in conversation, when you're just talking, I remember a friend from college and so many instances of this where they're just in it and they're talking and they're talking and then they'll go, and Taylor, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, you you actually care about me. And maybe that's just how they talk. Maybe that's just how they operate. But But I am learning that to make people feel seen, to make them feel heard, use their name. Um, mm. like, like going to a restaurant and you're talking to your waiter, use their name. Um, yeah. when you're, if a cashier has their name tag on and, and you're done interacting with them, thank them and mm. use their name. Um, yeah. there, there've been so many instances where using a person's name, they, it kind of stops them for a minute because we often operate in a world of an, 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 an anonymity i think is the word <laughs> yeah. just everybody's anonymous we we yes. go to a store and check out and you just you interact with a person you never get their name yeah. um and i think it's one of john acuff's um points is that always use somebody's name it makes such a big difference absolutely yeah i i that's something i can get a lot better at is using <laughs> I think we all using can. people's names yeah but i hear you it like it it's it, we're so used to um, waiting until it's our turn to talk uh-huh. that when I'm speaking and I use your name in what I'm saying, it's, it's telling you, Hey, I still see you there. Even totally. though I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I still see you. I'm still with you. So yeah, I hear the power of that. Um, and the, uh, another thing that I think is really powerful and, and really helps people feel heard it's kind of a combination. It's kind of combining curiosity and um, and listening. And it's being able to um, reflect back to someone what you've heard them say. Um, mm-hmm. And then ask if you got it right. <laughs> That's a sales technique, actually. Well, it's, and it's a sales technique because it's... Because uh, it works. <laughs> Because because one way that you one way that that people open up to wanting to buy some buy something and and trust someone enough to buy from them is by mm-hmm. feeling heard, right? Totally, and um, I can and so, I have direct experience with that. Yeah, tell me about that. 
Well, I I was in photo sales for a while, and I'm a creative okay. person. I, I'm a designer, photographer, so I got into um, working for a company where we traveled and did photography for them, and it was always selling photos to them. Um, mm. We would be in places that had no money. We would be in places that had a ton of money, um, but I was always good at selling because I would listen to people, and so then yeah. when I got into furniture, um, selling furniture – that that skill skyrocketed because I knew how to listen to people, mm-hmm. get tell listen to what they were telling me they needed or wanted, and then apply that to what I was going to show them. And yeah, instead of just showing them, you know, whatever furniture I worked in an, a furniture outlet, so we were a little bit cheaper than the main store. Yeah, but they loved that I would ask them their budget first. Be- yeah. not maybe not first, but I would. I would maybe, you know, because my job wanted us to show them something that was a little bit over, but I always stuck. I was, if they wanted a $2,000 mattress, I was not going to show them the $4,000 because for them, that would have been a waste of time. You know, it's not just my time, it's their time. And so people really appreciated that I did not push them to, to buy what they didn't need. And that was just part of listening. It was part of really engaging with your customers. And then I created lifelong friendships because of because of that ability to listen. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was going to ask, what did you notice in those customers when I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining in my mind that oftentimes there was this moment where they went from like armored up, I'm about to have a sales conversation mm-hmm. to, oh, this person, this person's listening. I'm I'm curious how did you experience that that transition? Well, I'm a big believer that um humor breaks down walls. Um mm. and so I would often make a joke or just be totally honest with them saying, "Look, and and it's all in facial expression and mm-hmm. demeanor and body language, you know, I would imme- try to immediately break down that wall when I had to greet them at the door saying, "Look, I know you don't want to be greeted, you know, and that wouldn't be the first thing I say, but (laughs) I know that this is weird. (laughs) So, and all of a sudden you saw their, them kind of relax. Most people, you Mm. know, everybody's going to have a different reaction, but most people, when they hear that, they go, oh yeah, we're all acknowledging that this is weird. Okay. And I said, I'm going to let you shop. Let me know when you need me. I'm not going to stalk you. And that would kind of make them laugh because people in furniture stores do stalk you. (laughs) Um, But, but that was just it. Like, that little, t- it it was silly jokes, but little bits of humor along the way. And that created a a really good basis for a relationship. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely hear that. Yeah. Humor can be yeah. so powerful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, I forget who says it, but it says humor breaks down walls so that truth can enter. And mm, um, that's not my quote. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it, it's yeah. beautiful. No, yeah, I, I, that is right on. I love that. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious how how does how does that skill of listening how does that show up in your life these days? I so I this people on the show have heard me talk about this, but I create greeting cards. I'm again mm-hmm. very creative, and um, what I love most is creating something that is perfectly designed for the person for the recipient and um so when i am usually it's for friends and family but when i'm talking to someone in conversation and and they just casually mention that they love dogs three times like Mm -hmm. that's something right um 
or when I know that that my cousin specifically loves like sunflowers or or something yeah. along those lines. Like I know exactly what to make for her based on yeah. what I listen to. Um, and it's it's paying attention to the little details that I'm very good at, and and that's fun for me. Um, so I just recently gave a um, a, a card that I designed to an author, and she loved mm-hmm. it. But it was, it was designed specifically for her, um, and I have failed to create that into a business. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just a hobby that I really love. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. imagine. I can imagine people just being like so tickled to receive something from you that is a direct reflection of themselves and has the details that are important to them. Oh yeah. My brother said he, he like, that was exactly what he wanted for Christmas was just one of my cards. Like (laughs) that's all he wanted from me um, because he looks forward to them because they're so unique. So that's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. It's fun. What a cool hobby. Uh, Thank you. What are, how do we um, use conversations to influence and benefit people around us? Mm, How do we enact positive change using them? Beautiful question. Thank you. Hmm. Can you say the question one more time just so it'll really land with me? Yeah. How do we, how do we use good conversations to influence and benefit the people around us? How do we enact positive change through good conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Two things are coming up in response to that. Um, well, three things, I guess. One, I just want to honor your, your heart and intent. I, I hear, I hear the heart you have to make positive change, to make mm-hmm. our world and people's lives a little better. Um, and that it actually stands a little bit <laughs> in tension with what I'm going to say next, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think the one of the ways we do that in conversation is by having no agenda for the person on the other side of it. Man, if we could all grasp that. Right. I was, I was talking to um, a friend recently and we were talking about the, um, the idea of like elderhood, you know, like Hmm. who are, who are the elders in the world? Um, What does, what does that even mean these days? What is it, what's a path to move in that direction? And when, as we were talking about the qualities of elderhood, one thing that really struck me is when I have felt, when I have, when I have experienced and felt elderhood from someone in conversation, a lot of times what that has felt like is that that person has no agenda for me. Um, and another way to say that is that the agenda of a true elder is so large that whatever choices I make can fit into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the, one of the most power, powerful things we can do to have the sorts of conversations that improve people's lives is to actually have them with no agenda of our own, um, mm-hmm. to, to come in just with curiosity and compassion and allow that person to, um, express themselves and to say the, uh, the things that they have been longing to say, even if they haven't known they've been longing to say them. 
there's a great question that um, one of the coaches that I look up to and admire, he's actually the one who listening to his podcast got me into coaching in the first place, Jerry Colonna. Mm-hmm. Um, he, one of the questions that he teaches is, um, what am I not saying that needs to be said? Hmm. And mm-hmm. so often we don't even know the answer to that. No. But if we're <laughs> offered an agendaless space where someone is just meeting us with curiosity and compassion, those things mm-hmm. can bubble to the surface. Um, so that's number one is no agenda. And number two is um, something that I was taught in my coaching course is one of the one of the sort of foundational principles of coaching is that people are naturally whole and wise and resourceful hmm. and that they don't they don't require me to come in and give them advice they don't require me to come in and fix anything about them that actually mm-hmm. if i can meet them um where where they are at and just hold hold curiosity and compassion and ask questions based on those that they will what will emerge in them is the thing that they need to make their life better. Mm. Um, and so I think holding this posture of recognizing people as, um, as whole and as wise and as resourceful in themselves is one of the best ways we can hold conversations that end up making the world better. Yeah. And I think social media has really inhibited our ability to have good conversation because we've lost we've lost the art we've lost the art of healthy Mm. debate we've lost the art of actually conversing with people who disagree with us um Mm. and respecting them in that um i just think and and so many things are stunted growth is stunted on social media often Mm. um we get little snippets here and there but you you don't have the robust kind of conversation that people used to get just going down to their local grocery store, you know? Mm, um, yeah. So I think it's so important that we, we hone that skill and we develop that um, because we don't have as many natural ways of pursuing it now. Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, a, a good observation, a good insight. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely see, um, on social media, the uh, it's it's a lot easier when you're stuck behind a screen to not see the other as fully human. Um, totally, and it's it's actually a, one of the analogies that comes to mind is when you're driving in a car and you see everyone else who's driving their cars near you not as a human being, but as this giant metal contraption that is in your way or cutting you off or, you know, like all of these, all these things. And the way that we treat each other when we're in the anonymity of a car is so different from the way we treat each other when we're walking down the sidewalk, which is almost exactly the same activity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we would never... Um, we would never treat people the way that we do in our cars. And one thing that I try to do when I'm driving to remind myself of that and also to build that human connection is like, 
try to just try to make eye contact. If I need to get into another lane, like try to make eye contact with that person. And I'm, I'm curious, like, I wonder what that is on social media. What's, what's the eye contact that reminds us Mm -hmm. that there's a human being behind this post or this comment or whatever it is? Man, that is an excellent question. And I think, I mean, one thing is so many people are are negative and I'm not saying I am any better, but I'm glad that years ago I made a decision not to post anything negative if I could at all help Mm. it. Just because Facebook, especially that was what we used at the time, but Facebook was a a place that was becoming quickly negative, quickly becoming negative. And um, that just it really hit me because I would have memories pop up and it was just a complaint or something. I was like, who needs this? We have enough negativity mm. online. Why not always seek to, because also nothing is ever private. I don't care whether you message someone or DM someone or what you think you're doing to hide it. Nothing is ever private. If if I die, people will go through my messages and all I want them to see is positive interactions. Mm. Um, so, ha- so how do we curate that? Um, I think, you know, your example in the car is very good where if I, I'm much more likely to get angry at the blue minivan than I am to yell at Joseph, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, calling somebody. I just actually read a post um, that was like that was saying at a machinery company, they started naming their machines because hmm. people were much less likely to get angry with the equipment if they had a name. So essentially oh, naming your your printer Gary, people would literally come up and say, it looks like Gary's not feeling well today or, you know, Gary's having a rough day. And then when they took that name away and gave the printer a number, people got <laughs> a lot more angry. Isn't that interesting? The psychology <laughs> of wonderful <laughs> psychology of human interaction is so fascinating. Um, because we're compassionate yeah. creatures, right? Like that's totally. what... That's what show that that's what that's showing us is like we are just we are just compassionate creatures and if if we mm-hmm. see something as uh, as a living thing is if we see, the closer we see it to human the more mm-hmm. likely we are to treat it with compassion absolutely yeah it's it's funny it reminds me um, my wife and I um, yeah, there's all these little like things like you know when we started living together like. I call them tiny mysteries of like, <laughs> like the, the, yeah. I don't know, the sauce was left out. I don't remember leaving it out. She doesn't tiny. remember leaving it out. <laughs> it's a tiny mystery. And so <laughs> we, we invented a roommate, a, a third housemate called Todd. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> and so we just blame it on Todd. <laughs> that's awesome. And at the time we were, I think we did this when it was uh, like peak COVID times and we were both stuck in the house working from home. And so he was our like third office mate. So we'd always just blame it on Todd, the the, the annoying office mate. <laughs> That's the best thing about being married to your best friend is you're both basically on the same page. So yeah. Yes. Uh. Yeah. It's, it, it has uh, smoothed over a lot of otherwise <laughs> annoying little things. <laughs> what a great, great idea. Um, there's so many more questions I could ask you, but I want to be respectful of your time. Do you, um, do you find that if there's one piece of advice you could give to someone listening who just really wants to start having better conversations in their lives? I mean, listening is one of the key things Mm -hmm. I think is one of our best takeaways, but anything else? Um, yeah, I'm actually, do you mind if I ask you a question before, um, I want to understand like the real roots of this, of what you're asking. 
Mm-hmm. What what do you tailor long for in conversations? I think my my spirit longs to have them be heard, right? Um, yeah. To to make people feel heard. If mm. I'm being selfish, I want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And yes. so I think that's that's it. I think that people just want to be heard. Amen. <laughs> I think I think you've right? really nailed it. Yeah. Um I I absolutely 100% agree that the power of being truly heard by another person is something we one deeply underestimate. Um mm. and it's a it's a gift that um it's a gift that we are wired to give each other. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are, it's not, it's not a gift that our, um, co- our culture cultivates in us very much. So there are some skill mm-hmm. elements that can really help you move in that direction. Um, mm-hmm. But what's coming up right now is there's a, um, a practice that I've, I've done for a number of years called counsel and it's uh, it's kind of like a group contemplative practice where mm. you'll get a group of people sit in a circle in a room and there are um, some intentions that you name going into at each time. And the two sort of like main ones are number one, speak from the heart. So this is a time when there are kind of, there are some prompts and anybody is welcome to like speak what's alive in them in response to the prompts. And then the second one, which I think is the most important one, is listen from the heart. Because mm-hmm. most of what you're doing in the council space, you're one among, you know, 10, 15 people. Most of your time is spent listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the more that we can move from listening in my head trying to think about oh how am I going to respond to this like how you know being up in our own stories about what's happening in relation between us and the other person and the more that we can move to listening from the heart Mm -hmm. and really opening our heart to another human being letting them be heard in that way and and here's the scary part allowing ourselves to be changed by what we hear. Yeah. Yeah. And why is that, that scary? <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. It's it terrifying. Um, and I think it's also the key to what I hear you naming, which is we all long to be heard. We all long to have our heart heard by another heart. Um, and when that happens, people transform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's a good note to end on. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just it's you are very, very wise and very eloquent, and I, I feel it's a privilege to get to introduce my listeners to your voice, and then oh, thank you, I, and I'd love for them to follow you. So your Instagram is James A Pearson, all one word. That's right. Yeah. And Pearson okay. is spelled P-E-A-R-S-O-N. That's like son of a pear. So James A. Pearson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> uh, yep. And then um, anywhere else they should be able to find you at? Yeah. I, my website is the same thing, jamesapearson.com. Um, okay. And if anybody wants to have a conversation with me, um, I would love it. And there's a way on my website to sign up for what I call a coffee session. Yeah. And it's, it's just like a 30 minute. Yeah. It's like a 30 minute quick coaching session um, where I will do my very best to meet you with curiosity and compassion. Um, and it all it costs is the price of a fancy coffee. So a coffee session is a really nice way to um, uh, just give yourself a chance to be heard. Um, and, and I think most importantly, um, give yourself a chance to overhear yourself say the words you've been longing to hear. And that's it. I think that a lot of times we just need to hear it out loud. We need to hear it. Someone let us say it out loud and suddenly everything makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So let James be your guide. That's a brilliant way of doing things. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. This has been really fun, Taylor. I, I appreciate the invitation and... I appreciate you taking a risk on some random dude on Instagram. <laughs> oh, I knew it would be great. I uh, thank you for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Mm-hmm.